Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. All right, well, welcome everybody. Big shout out to not only our Henderson family, but to each of our Central family locations. I want to welcome our Central Summerlin campus. Glad to have you guys with us. Our Central Sunrise Mountain family, good to have you guys here. Our Central Southern Highlands and Central Kingman family, thank you for being here this weekend. Big shout out to those who are watching online. And as always, a special welcome to those who are joining us in our partnership with God Behind Bars and different prison facilities around the country. We love you guys. Thank you for being with us. How many of you have ever been stuck in a storm? Ever been caught in a storm? Probably most of us have been caught in some kind of storm. I know for me, I grew up in Texas, and so storms there look a little different than in some other parts of the world. So uh, for me, if there was a storm, it often uh, resulted at some point in tornadoes. So I kind of grew up in Tornado Alley, and tornadoes were happening all around, which we all know tornadoes are scary and they're devastating, but I'll be honest, when you like grow up around them, they sort of lose some of that terrifying sense that they should have in our lives. I mean, I've had a tornado touchdown 100 yards from me, you know, watched it on the ground, standing out there like, hey, if it turns this way, we better run. But as long as it's going that way, we're good. Not always the smartest thing. I had a friend, uh, his entire house, the roof got destroyed by a tornado. They were all inside, and thankfully, by the grace of God, they all survived. But can you imagine being in your house and literally having the roof ripped off by a tornado? Something out of a movie, right? Uh, I remember I was out driving one time. Tornadoes were touching down all over the place, and so we all took shelter under a bridge, which is something you can do, you know, if there's a tornado. So I put together a little, a little storm guide for you, just from my experience, in case you're ever in Tornado Alley, how to survive a tornado. I know you're very curious about this. Okay, here we go. First thing is, uh, is this, seek shelter. <laughs> Duh, seek shelter. So if there's a tornado, what does that mean? It means either get in a basement or it means get in the bathtub and hang on for your dear life, right? They have, I don't know why the bathtub, but they always say the bathtub, get in the bathroom, climb in the bathtub. There you go, you're welcome. All right, if you try to do that, or if you're not able to do that, you're out in the car or whatever, and you see a tornado and you can't get like under a bridge or under anything, what you're, you don't stay in your car. What you're actually supposed to do is pull over, get out of your car and climb down into the bottom of a ditch or a ravine and lay down in the bottom of the ditch. I don't know who's scientifically proven that this will work, and I have no personal experience with this, but I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> right, but you're supposed to lay down and hope that that tornado goes right over you. No problem, all good. And then, you know, if you're out and about, I, I was doing a little Googling, like how to survive a, a, a tornado, just thinking about this message and storms and uh, people had different comments. And one guy in a forum group, he was really helpful. He goes, yeah, and if you can't get to a ditch, this is what he says, the third uh, little area, put your head between your knees and kiss your backside goodbye. I'm like, okay, <laughs> very helpful, very helpful. So that's what to do in a tornado. And, you know, we all face storms, right? We face weather situations, yes, but we also face personal storms. The question really isn't 
will you go through storms in your life? It's when will you go through storms in your life? Some of you are in the midst of storms right now. As I just think through the years, you know, there's the identity storm that many of us go through where it's like, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my meaning, right? You know, what, what, what am I supposed to do with my life? Uh, there's the, the school storm, come on somebody, which sometimes is just getting through school, sitting through lectures, taking tests, navigating stuff, college, all of that. Then if you eventually get through all that, you hit the adulting storm. Mm, the adult, you know, the first time you get your, it's so cool, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live on my own. I'm going to have my own furniture. It's going to be awesome, right? Until about the third bill shows up. And then you're like, whoa, man, this adulting thing is hardcore. That's how much insurance is. You know, all of a sudden you're like, I don't need an Uber. I'll walk. Good. Because you just, everything, just you realize how expensive it is. Sometimes we can face the adulting storm. Certainly, uh, eventually, you know, you'll fall in love. Many of you will have kids. Then you'll face like the family storm. You have a couple kids and then you'll face like the tsunami family storm, right? You love them, but you're just so emotionally exhausted and so tired of chasing them around all the time. Uh, you get a little older, you hit the middle age storm where, you know, I was just reading an article about the, just the, the significant amount of people right now that have uh, kids that are kind of college and post post-college age that have yet to launch from the house, young adults uh, kind of living with their parents still, and then their parents also now trying to take care of their adult parents, and this sort of squeeze that's happening, you know, one generation from both sides. There can be storms that come with that. Uh, there can be the retirement storm where, you know, there's the identity of what do I do now, and, you know, how fast time flies, and what is my life supposed to look like? Some of you are in that season right now, and you've got uh, grandchildren. Some of you are raising your grandchildren and you're saying to yourself on a regular basis, I'm too old to be doing this, right? Chasing kids around and diapers and all of that, but that's where you are. Uh, and then there's kind of the senior storm, which, you know, health can be a storm that we face at any point in our life, but in the senior years, it can be like a full-time job, just managing doctor appointments and health visits and how many pills am I supposed to take today and kind of laying the whole thing out. We all face storms. It's not if we'll face them, it's when we'll face them. And so I want to encourage you today because I believe Jesus can do a miracle in the midst of your storm. He doesn't always stop the storm, but he'll show up in the storm so that you can stand up in the storm. And so we're going to talk today about the power of God's peace in the middle of a storm. And a lot of times we think, you know what, God, if you'll just make this storm go away, the health storm, the uncertainty storm, the doubt storm, the financial storm, if you'll just make the storm go away, then there will be peace. But I want to suggest to you today, that's not necessarily true. Because as you study the Bible, you realize peace is found in the presence of God, not in the absence of the storm. And sometimes it's in the middle of the storm when our hearts are most receptive that we can actually experience what the Bible calls the peace that passes understanding. And so I want to look at that as we look at the fifth miracle in the Gospel of John. Now, we've been in this series called I Need a Miracle. We've been working through the seven core miracles in the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus did dozens of miracles, and you can read about them in the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is one of those biographies. John only mentions like seven core miracles that Jesus did. And a lot of scholars say you can kind of outline the book of John around those miracles. They all point to the God who is greater than the miracle that was performed. And so we've been working through John. Today I want to look at the fifth sign or the fifth miracle, which is Jesus walking on the water. And we're going to unpack this miracle. And I think it's also really about how Jesus is present with us in the storms of life. 
Now, Matthew and Mark and John all tell this story. Luke doesn't. But those three writers tell this miracle. In John, it's a little less detailed. Matthew actually includes some stuff that neither of the other gospel writers do. So I want to divert a little bit from the gospel of John today, and I want to look at this miracle from the perspective of Matthew, chapter 14, and kind of look at Matthew's version of it. Um, Let me just set the stage. Last week, we talked about Jesus doing the miracle of multiplication with the loaves and the fishes, where he fed the the 5,000, which is 5,000 men, so it would have been more like 10 to 15,000 when you put the women and the children and everybody in there. And uh, then Jesus tells his disciples, hey, you guys get in the boat and head out across the lake, right? And so they get in the boat, they, they head out. These are trained fishermen. The lake is an area they know. They're headed to the other side. Everything should be easy, no problem. But here's what we meet, read, Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 24. We'll bring this up on the screens. When we get to the red highlighted word, I'm gonna ask you to read it out loud with me. But here's what it says, Matthew 14, 24. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in what? Trouble. Trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Remember that song? Who sang that song? You remember that? Worry. Okay. They were in trouble, far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. So they're out, they're on the water. Now we're gonna read later on, they've actually been rowing and fighting this storm, trying to get to the other side for nine hours. Come on, somebody, nine, they're nine hours in. They're exhausted, they're praying for a miracle. They're asking for God to stop the storm. They're asking for God to spare their life. And God does them one better than stop the storm. God shows up in the storm. So I want to talk about how you can find God in the middle of your storm and experience peace, even in chaos in your life. First principle is simply this, to trade fear for faith, to trade fear for faith. Now we all have things we're afraid of, right? I mean, how many of you are afraid of rattlesnakes? Any people afraid of, I'm afraid of a good rattlesnake. I don't know. Some of you are really brave. You're like, nope, no problem. I got the rattlesnake. This is a picture that one of our central students took of a rattlesnake. Check this out. Now, that might look scary, but he would say this is not a scary picture uh, because this rattlesnake is not preparing to strike. He's just yawning. He's just chilling out, so no problem. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Anybody afraid of spiders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, lots of fear of spiders. Um, This is that same central student with a wild tarantula on his hand. Check it out crazy. You say, don't those bite? Yes, they bite. Has he been bitten? Yes, he's been bitten, and he still does this. He says, it's no big deal. I do not believe him. How many of you are afraid of mice? Afraid of mice? Yeah, I got a picture for you, this guy right here. That's probably my wife's biggest fear right there, little mice. She didn't know when we were first about to get married, we were engaged and the wedding day was getting close and we were moving into this house that uh, the church that I served owned. It was like what we would call a parsonage, right? Like the church owned the house. I still rented from them at a reduced rate, but, but they owned the house. Um, and so this house, uh, they, had, they had recently bought it because they were trying to expand some things and buy houses. They're in a residential area, so they're trying to get that land, right? And so, you know, we had, were just moving in for the first time. I was the first person to kind of move in on behalf of the church into this house, and we're kind of getting it set up, and Lori's over there right before our wedding, and all of a sudden she calls me, and I'm, I'm right across the parking lot, like in the church, um, working, and she says, uh, this was before cell phones, as far as I can remember. I think I was talking on a, like an actual phone that, you know, connects by a cord. Um, kids, you with me? Okay. 
She says, you're not going to believe this. She says, there, there's, there's a mouse in the house. Except she didn't say it like that. She was screaming and yelling, and I couldn't make any sense. I thought she was being burglarized or terrorized or, you know, something was going on. And, and finally, I'm like, calm down, breathe, breathe. I'm like, where are you? She's, I'm up on top of the counter right now. There's a mouse in the house. You got to come over right now and deal with this. And I was young. I hadn't even been married. I did not yet know the simple principle that you can be right or you can be happy in marriage, but you can't be both. You know, I had yet to learn this through experience, right? And I remember I said to her on the phone, I'm like, I'm not coming across the parking lot to take. I said, that mouse is more afraid of you than you are of it. Just get down off the table, walk out, get in your car and drive to your mom's. Everything will be fine. I got to go. Goodbye. She still has not let go of the fact that I did not walk across the street and deal with the mouse situation. When I finally did get home, I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch this mouse. So I took an old-fashioned trap, right? Like, I mean, an old-school, old-fashioned trap and put cheese on the end, right? Got it all positioned and got it all set behind the couch. And I pushed the couch up. There was the trap. Everything was ready. And I was heading out. And before I even got out the door, I heard that trap go off. Schwack! Like, wow, I'll deal with that when I get back. <laughs> I get back, I walk in, I'm like, all right, it's on, you know, and I pull the couch back. No mouse, no trap, no cheese, <laughs> no lie. I'm like, whoa. So I start pulling all the furniture back, right? I'm looking at, I'm like, where did that guy? There was, I literally searched every room, I looked all over our house. It was gone. That mouse stole the trap and stole the cheese. And Lori was in the living room of the house. We're getting stuff set up. And all of a sudden, she hears this scraping sound a few days later. <laughs> she goes in there and this, all you could see was the, the mouse trap. And the mouse was trying to climb up the, uh, they had an old fireplace, trying to climb up the fireplace, and that trap was getting stuck as it was trying to go. And so there it was. Anyway, what's my point? <laughs> I love telling that story, first of all. But second, my point is this. Would you believe she married me? I was, I redefined broke. I didn't have two pennies to rub together, and I moved her into a house in which in the first few months, I caught over two dozen mice. <laughs> so I knew, man, she married me for love, bro. That's love right there. That's faith over fear right there. And I said, that's why I'll be your, your mouse catcher the rest of my days, 24-7. I'm always there for you. She had to overcome her fear to do what she felt God called her to do, which was marry this poor, pathetic pastor who lived in a mouse house. 
Listen, if you're going to follow God in your life, if I'm going to follow God in my life, we're all going to have to overcome some fear. You can't step into your calling without stepping through some fear. You, you can't step into what God has for you, your purpose, without stepping out of some things that you're afraid to leave behind. And so here's the disciples. They're out on the water. They're terrified. They're afraid. They're praying that God will show up and help. And the miracle comes, but it doesn't come the way they think it will. Check this out. Matthew chapter 4 beginning in verse 25 says about three o'clock in the morning wait a minute three o'clock in the morning Jesus came came toward them walking on the water well first of all I'm like Jesus where were you at midnight where were you at 10 where were you at 8 right we've been out here a long time man we are tired brothers are scared this is terrifying Jesus comes out at three in the morning God will show up, but he'll show up when you least expect it sometimes, right? And when he showed up, they weren't even sure who it was. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. They weren't like, oh, it's Jesus, cool. They're like, whoa. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take what? Courage. Take courage, he says. I am here. I am here. So Jesus comes in an unexpected time, in an unexpected way. And that's often what he does in our lives. The miracle shows up, but it's not the miracle they were praying for. The miracle they were praying for in the moment wasn't just that Jesus would come. The miracle they were praying for is that the storm would stop. Can, can I get an amen? Does somebody understand that? And you're, you're just praying, God, just make the storm stop. Just end the crazy in my life. It's dark. It's wet. I feel like I'm tossed around. I'm nauseous. I'm upside down. God, just stop the crazy. Stop the storm. But Jesus does one better than stop the storm. He doesn't stop the storm. Sometimes he just shows up in the middle of the storm and allows you to stand up in faith in the middle of the storm. Look, it's the presence of God that will bring you peace, not the absence of the storm. And so the presence is what we need. And Jesus shows up and he walks out and he says, take courage. It's me. He says, don't be afraid, which you see often in the Bible. Don't be afraid. And so I just, I read this quote that I've been hanging on to today. It said, the leader's number one job is to simply stay encouraged. I don't know what you're facing right now, but there's a lot of truth to that. If you're leading something right now, your job, my job as leaders, we have to stay encouraged. How do you stay encouraged in a storm? How do you stay encouraged with a cancer diagnosis? How do you stay encouraged when you aren't sure you're going to be here two months from now? How do you stay encouraged when you're not sure how you're going to move forward from the situation you're in to where you want to be? you got to strengthen yourself in the Lord and remind yourself who God is in your life. Listen, the disciples in this moment looked out. They saw Jesus. At first, they thought he was a ghost, and they were scared out of their minds. God is going to do a miracle in their life, but sometimes God's about to do a great move right in front of your greatest fear. And so whatever you may be facing, you got to trade that fear for faith. It may be legitimately scary, but you got to trade it for faith. You got to remember that, look, his light can shine on you even when all you see around you is darkness. He can see you even when you can't see him. He can give you uh, direction even when you feel totally directionless. He's in control even when you don't feel like you're in control. He loves you even when you're having a hard time just loving yourself 
yourself. He's with you. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You got to reach out in faith and trust that he's good, even though it looks like everything around you is going bad. You got to believe that he's moving and working, even though you can't see it. You got to believe that he's just and he will bring you justice, even when you see everything but justice around you. You got to trade that faith, that fear for faith. Encourage yourself. Stand in it. Jesus says, it's I. Don't be afraid. Take courage and trust me. Peace is found in the presence of God, not the absence of the storm. Another principle is simply this, to stay focused on Jesus. To stay focused on Jesus. Listen, if you don't focus in your life, you're gonna get into all kinds of difficulties. Years ago, I got this great lesson in it. I was driving my high school car, my second car, which was a, a, a Fiero. Any, anybody remember Fieros back in the day? Some of you, for some of you, this will be like back to the future kind of conversation, like from another generation, a lifetime ago. Sort of like the poor man's Mustang. We might even have a, a picture of my old uh, red Fiero. That, that's basically the deal, man. Look at the little spoiler back there, man. The lights came up like you were awesome. It's great, right? No, not so great. I'm cruising down the road in high school and I start, you know, I should be looking. Look, when you're driving down the, the road, you're supposed to look in front of you. You're supposed to stay focused on the road in front of you, right? But I start looking over at these people that are jogging. I'm like, oh, check those dudes out. They're jogging. And one guy had his shirt off. He should not have had his shirt off. I'm like, ah, dude. I look up and this mini, this uh, old school station wagon had, uh, everybody had gotten out of the car, it broke down and they just left it there with the hazards going in the middle of the lane. And I ran right into the back of it doing like 40 miles an hour. I totaled my red Fiero people. And what I'll tell you is that when you take your eyes off Jesus, you are in a position where you can wreck a whole lot of things in your life. When you take your focus off of God and who he's called you to be, when you're in a storm, you, are, you can get into all kinds of pain and heartache in your life. Now, Matthew records this amazing moment of focus that Peter has in the midst of this storm. And so check it out. Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. Peter sees Jesus. They all see him. He's there. It says, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Amazing. But when he what? Saw, he looked around and he saw the strong wind and the waves. He was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? So there's a lot here. But Peter sees Jesus. Now, first of all, I want you to notice that Peter doesn't just jump over the boat and start walking on water. He says to Jesus, he says, basically, command me. That's what some translations say. Command me and I will come to you. He's like, Lord, I'm in the storm, man. You know where I want to be in the storm? Jesus, I want to be by you, right? So if you will command me, I will come to you. And so Jesus says, yes. He commands it, come. And so he gets out of the boat and he's doing amazing, like he's walking on the water. And as long as he's focused on Jesus, he can do things that he probably would have never thought possible. As long as he's focused on Jesus, he's walking in this miracle. It's incredible, it's awesome, until he stops focusing on Jesus and starts focusing on the storm. And once he starts looking around at the storm, he realizes, this is crazy. I shouldn't be able to do this. 
And then he begins to sink. Then he says, save me. And Jesus reaches out and saves him. You know, there's a couple kinds of faith that we can experience in the spiritual life. Uh, there's a saving faith where you're just drowning and you cry out, God, save me, help me. Uh, oftentimes when we come to faith in God, it's that kind of a moment. Maybe we're coming from hardship or difficulty or background or crisis or addiction or whatever, and we're like, God, just save me, help me, just rescue me, grab my hand, pull me up, right? And God can do that. And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we receive forgiveness and the gift of eternal life, and God moves in our life. It's a saving kind of faith that we experience. He can grab our hand and pull us up. But there's another kind of faith that we can also experience on the spiritual journey, and that is what we might call sustaining faith. And sustaining faith is less about how you feel, and it's more about what you focus on. Sustaining faith allows you to do whatever God is calling you to do as you focus on him and follow him. And I don't know what God may be calling you to do in your life. For some of you, it may be a forgiveness journey. For some of you, it may be stepping into your calling, tackling a ministry, teaching or leading at work, stepping out of your comfort zone, whatever God may be laying on your heart. Here's what I know. If God is going to call you to it, he will empower you and strengthen you as you follow him in faith to complete what he's called you to. You just got to keep your focus on him. Don't just look at the storm that tries to stop you. Look at the God who's beyond the storm. Focus on him and walk towards him in faith. Now, I know most of you haven't seen this. Only us old people in the room will recognize uh, this. But this is a ship modeled on the ship in the movie Jaws. This is the Orca. Kids, I know you've wanted to watch this movie. It's more impressive if you've been through Universal's backstage theme park, right? You've probably seen it there. Anyway... We're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, that was the line. And I want you to think about this boat Peter's in and the disciples. And think about your own boat. I think in some ways maybe the boat represents wherever we find safety or security apart from God in our lives. What is God calling you to leave, to move forward in faith, to follow him? Uh, for some of you, maybe you're super disciplined with your time and you're all about your to-do lists and I mean, you got the whole world mapped out. You're gonna take over the world and it's gonna be awesome and I hope you do, but are you willing to leave some time in your schedule for some divine appointments God might have for you this week? Because if you're willing to step out of your boat, step out of what's comfortable for you and say, God, I'm willing to be open. If you're directing it, if you're guiding it, I'll make some time. I may be surprised at what could happen. Some of you, your boat is financial security and you're never gonna do anything that doesn't affect your bottom line. And you can't release money, you can't be generous, you can't share because you're so trapped in this sense that you have to have what you have and you need need even more. But what could happen if you step out of your boat and you say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to move towards you and others with generosity. You might find then that God really becomes your security. Some of you used to dream. You dreamed big dreams and maybe you tried to step out of the boat and you sank and the waves were bigger than you thought and it was harder than you thought it was going to be. And maybe it's time to dream again and say, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to trust you. Some of you, you're bored right now in your spiritual life. You're just bored. You're coming to church. You're doing the things, but it isn't really connecting. You're not really sure what's going on in your heart. And it may be that you've got a saving faith, but you've got to exercise a sustaining faith and say, God, I'm going to focus on you and I'm willing to leave my comfort behind to step into my calling. 
Jesus, you say, command me, and I'll get out of my boat, and I'll come. You issue the word, and I'll leave this behind, and I'll follow you. I don't know what it may be for you, but I know when we're walking towards Jesus, when we're focused on him, when we're trusting him, hey, man, that's where the joy is. That's where the adventure is. You may be a lot of things, but you won't be bored, right? The danger comes when we start looking at the things that make us afraid. We look around at the wind and the waves, and it's significant. It's a, there's reason in a vacuum to be afraid. And when you focus on those things, they get bigger and bigger. God in your mind gets smaller and smaller, and you can be in a situation where you feel like you're drowning. If that's where you're at today, I believe Jesus is moving towards us, and he's saying, it's I. Take courage. In fact, he literally says, I am here. And some commentators note that that phrase, I am, is so rich in the Bible. It can't just be an accident the way John uses it and Matthew uses it where Jesus says, I am. Because I am is actually the name of God. When Moses in the Old Testament says to God, you know, God appears to him at the burning bush and all this, he's like, what's your name? Who do I tell the people that you are? You know, like, what am I supposed to say? And God says to him, well, you just tell them I am, which I just think is the coolest, that may be the coolest verse in the Bible. God's like, what's your name? I am. (laughs) Right? Like, and there's a whole lot that can go behind that. I am. I'm in control. I am large and in charge. I got this. In fact, Louis Giglio wrote down some words years ago about uh, I am as the name for God. And he said, you know, for every cry of the human heart, I am is the answer. You say, who's looking out for me? I am. Why won't anyone listen? I am. Who is going to help me? I am. What is my purpose? I am. Why won't anyone tell me the truth? I am. Who is, uh, who will guide me? I am. Is there anyone who believes in me? I am. Is there anything worth living for? I am. Who can make things right? I am. Who's going to fix this mess? (laughs) I am. Who's looking out for my kids? I am. Who can make sense of my life? I am. Will anyone ever truly love me? I am. I'm the solution. I'm the restorer. I am your forgiver. I am your salvation. I'm your hope. I'm your freedom. I'm your joy. I'm your peace. I'm your love. I'm your life. I'm the coming one. I'm the mighty one. I'm the Lord and there is no other. I'm the first and the last. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the truth and the light. I am powerful. I am for you and I am available. And Jesus says, take courage. Don't be afraid. I am here. Listen. Peace. Peace comes from the presence of God, not the absence of the storm. It's okay to pray that God will take the storm away. And I hope he takes your storm away. But more than that, I hope you and I learn to find peace, whether we're in a storm or whether we're in calm waters because we're trading our fear for faith and because literally we're focusing on Jesus, we're obeying him, stepping out of the boat into our calling and allowing him to move and work in our lives. When Jesus gets in the boat in Matthew, all the disciples fall on their knees and they worship him and they say, truly you are the son of God, which was the point of the miracle. It wasn't just that Jesus calms the storms. It's just that Jesus is the one we worship in the midst of the storm. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but worship can be your weapon. 
right? When you don't know where else to go, when you don't know where else to turn, worship, sing, praise, bring it to God and trust him and trade that fear for faith. Some of you, you're here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. And I believe even if you're in a storm, Christ comes to you and he says, don't be afraid. It is I. Take courage. I am here. I am here. And what he desires for all of us is that we would place our faith and our trust in him, that we would believe him and believe he could move and work in our hearts and in our lives. So if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, wherever you're at, I'd love to give you that opportunity. So I wanna ask everybody to please bow their heads and close their eyes, whatever location you may be at. If you're watching in our partnership with God Behind Bars, just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you'd like to be a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer and you can just repeat this prayer after me and ask Christ to come into your heart and life. You can do it out loud or you can do it in your own heart and in your own mind. But if you're ready for that journey, just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's where you're at today, if you're praying that prayer and opening your heart to Jesus, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to say before God, you're going to follow him and trust him in your life. Just slip your hand in the air and reach out to him today. God, we thank you. We love you. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray that you will show up in their life in a powerful way. May your peace and may your hope fill them with joy. God, for all of us in our own storms, I pray that your presence will be real and tangible and that your peace will come through. We trust you and we love you. In Christ's name, amen.